You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. This incredible actor, singer, performer has received Tony, Drama Desk, Drama League, and Outer Critics Circle Award nominations for his performance as Porgy in the Broadway production of the Gershwin's Porgy and Bess. Norm Lewis has many other theater credits, including Sondheim on Sondheim, The Little Mermaid, Les Mis, Chicago, Sideshow, Miss Saigon, Once on This Island, Sweeney Todd, and most recently, Chicken and Biscuits. In May of 2014, he made history in Phantom of the Operas as the first African-American Phantom on Broadway. He also has many TV show credits. My favorites include Edison Davis in Scandal and alongside John Legend and Sarah Bareilles in Jesus Christ Superstar. Norm was my upstairs neighbor and my plus one for many events, and I'm so happy to welcome him here today to talk about giving back and social justice. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Thank you for having me, Jan. This is so much fun. This is about time, right? We've been talking about it for a while, so it's great. <laughs> um, I have two quick anecdotes that I want to share, um, and they both have to do with the weather. Oh. Um, so when I think of you, Norm, I think of many things, but I think of the freezing lunch that we had during the pandemic at the Smith restaurant outside where it was 22 degrees, and we suffered through it, and you were such you were, you were stoic. You were amazing. <laughs> But the other thing I think about juxtaposing that was the day that I moved into my apartment building, I didn't know that you lived in that building. Oh. And it was a hot, hot August scorching, muggy day. And I am a wreck. I'm sweating from every place. My hair is up on a ponytail and I'm trying to move my things in the front door. And all of a sudden you grab the door from behind and you say, can I help you? And I look up and there you are. And we had met before, but I was just fangirling out and I was in awe. And then you helped me move in my apartment and I lived right below you for many, yeah. many years. Yeah. So I always like to say Norm was on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, we could say so many things about that. Um, um, but yeah, that was actually uh, that that weather, that, a, um, that, that lunch was amazing. We both stood out there and... 
I guess because we wanted to see each other so badly, you know, we had been away from each other for so long and we said, we're going to fight through this. And we had a, we had soup that turned to ice. Exactly. <laughs> All I know is that by the time I got home, it took me like hours to thaw out. And I felt yeah. so bad for you because I thought, oh my God, your voice is just going to like impact your performances. <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of weather, um, which do you prefer, hot or cold? You know, it depends. I... I do love the summer. I do love, you know, getting out there and being extremely hot so I can jump into an ocean or a pool. But I, I would say fall is probably my favorite weather. Um, I don't like it too cold either. I can deal with snow for about two weeks and then I'm done. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. uh, and and uh, slocking and, just, you know, trying to get through New York City for auditions or trying to get to work. It's it's a little challenging. So, uh I, I kind of now in my golden age, uh, I would like to maybe become more of a snowbird and have uh, a residence somewhere else that's warmer during the winter months. <laughs> Sounds good. Speaking of the concept of which do you prefer, how about if we play a little rapid fire question game and I'm going to ask you which you prefer on some different topics. Okay. So just give me your quick answer. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Boxers or briefs? Boxers. Texting or talking? Ooh. Oh, God. That's a... Ooh. <laughs> ooh. I mean, there sometimes I just... I can't talk and I need to text, but I would rather talk. Yeah. Superpower. Would you rather be invisible or super strong? Invisible. Cake or pie? Pie. Virtue or sin? Virtue. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say sin. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes sin. <laughs> big dog or small dog? Oh, gosh, a big dog. Yeah. Asking permission or begging forgiveness? Begging forgiveness. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. LA or New York? Ooh, wow. Okay. Um, I love LA. I love, love, love LA and all my LA friends, but New York is my home. That's my home. Singing or acting? Singing. Napping or working out? <laughs> well, lately I need to go, <laughs> I need to go back to working out. I would say I need to start working out. Uh, it just makes you feel good after you're done, mm. you know? And last one, giving or getting? Oh, giving, giving. Which is a perfect segue into our conversation about Yay. giving back. Um, let's start with the pandemic. Um, how did you manage th through the shutdown of theater? And I was I was scared to death. I mean, I didn't even leave my house literally for two months uh, when they said we're shut down. I didn't leave my apartment, my apartment door for for two months. Luckily, I had enough supplies, you know, all that stuff. But then it got to a point where I was when I did go out and I went grocery shopping, which was like two in the morning because there was a place down the street from us that stayed open 24 seven, I would wipe everything down before I walked into my house, even the broccoli, I would wipe it down. I don't know how sanitizing that is, but it just felt, it was scary. It was really scary. Um, when theater came back, you were so lucky to be in this amazing new show called Chicken and Biscuits. And unfortunately that show probably became a victim of COVID in a different way because it was like sort of, right after the opening or the reopening of Broadway. Um, right. But how was it to be in that show and to be part of the reopening of Broadway? 
It was fantastic. I mean, we had such a great, great cast. Uh, the creative staff was amazing. Uh, Jalen Levingston was our director, a very young director on Broadway, uh, which is great because that's going to, you know, it shows the landscape of where we're going uh, with with what is happening uh, in the next few years. Douglas Lyons, who wrote the show, is amazing. I mean, he wrote this back. He started it back in 2018. And now it came to fruition, you know, this early within three years. It was a, a fun show talking about a, a culture that I understand, but it's still everyone who came to see it related to it and could understand, you know, from different backgrounds, from the Jewish faith to the Catholic faith. People said, oh, my God, we do that in our family or in our church. And so it was just wonderful being a part of this amazing story. We were not only victims of the COVID situation, but I think marketing had a lot to do with it too. And mm. I wish they would have been a little bit more creative in the sense of getting to the people who could, who they knew would come and see this show, like the churches, the black churches. Uh, we should have, <laughs> excuse me, gone to the black radio uh, and just invited folks that saw themselves on this stage. And then once they got there, they would see it is not a stereotypical archetype you know, stereotype show. It has those elements to it, but it's such a wonderful piece. I would, I would equate it not to. I think in one of the reviews, it gave it a uh, equated it to Tyler Perry, and that's fine. But there is that's a whole nother thing. I would say this is more of a Neil Simon play because mm -hmm. it did relate to family and people could relate to, you know, like I said, all from all backgrounds and all walks. It's interesting. I, you know, I saw so many reviews and they were so positive. And also, almost more important than that, there were so many of our Broadway friends that are in Broadway shows that came to see your show and just tweeted about it and went on and on about how great it was. I remember Lynn Miranda and yeah. went with his family and he loved it. And so I, I just feel like it was such a shame. And it was an interesting position to be in because a lot of the shows that were reopening were shows that were established and had a brand. Right, and right. you were like the new guys out there, you know. And I think you're right. The marketing it needs it takes time to ramp up, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, and then the COVID situation did happen. There were a couple of people who did uh, test positive. They were fine, thank God. Uh, but they, you know, we had to shut down the show for two weeks, and that financially just didn't help the show at all. So, yeah, I also think there were a lot of people that probably were right in that sweet demographic to go to that show that were still mm -hmm. a little on the fence about, oh, do I go to theater? Do I not go to theater? We just, right. you know, coming, right? So I feel like the audiences weren't 100% ready, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm so sorry. That's um, okay. And, and I'm sorry I didn't get to see it because I wasn't in New York at that time, so. Right, um, right. Yeah. Um, but see, speaking of being sorry, um, we're all so sad about the passing of Stephen Sondheim. And I know that you were one of the most brilliant artists in interpreting, um, you know, his his work, and you were so trusted by him to um, to perform his work. And I just wondered if we could talk a little bit about him and the work that you've done in, in that realm, and what your favorite memories are of him, and and of some of the work and the shows that you were featured in. Yeah, he's you know he's someone who's influenced my life for so many years. Even I didn't even know it. Like you know I. I said a quote somewhere, someone was asking for a quote and I said, yeah, he touched my soul even back when I was a little kid, when I watched West Side Story, you know, I, I didn't know who Stephen Sondheim was, but uh, that movie, we watched it every year because it was, you know, fascinating and it was what it is, you know, it's, it's iconic. Um, then later on being able to be in company 
at the right age of 37 or 35 that I was playing Bobby. That was great. Mm. And in that same year, I got to play Sweeney Todd for the first time. So I got more involved in what his music was about. And then all of a sudden being um, in Sondheim on Sondheim on Broadway, uh, he was basically the assistant director to James Lapine because he was there a lot, not every day, but he was there a lot mm. and we loved it. And he would give us interpretations of why he wrote that song and the way that he saw it while he wrote it. And so it was a masterclass. And for us to get that sort of information from the source was just overwhelming. You know, he's for me, the Shakespeare of Broadway uh, of musical theater. And I just think that, uh, you know, we such a great loss. I mean, he lived 91 years. That's, that's actually a long, long time, but we, he will still be missed. And I think there's going to be many, many tributes to him over the next few years. For sure. When you said that he was there for Sondheim on Sondheim and gave you guys notes and interpretations, do you remember any of them that you could share? Yeah. Yeah. There was one moment when I was singing, uh, I was lucky enough to sing the song Being Alive. And one, by when, the way, one of my favorite songs ever. It's a great, great song. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, you go about singing the right notes, you go about singing the right words. And, and I just remember I was singing somebody hold me too close, somebody hold me too deep, somebody. And he was like, no, I need the emphasis on the word body. And I said, okay. And it felt weird because, you know, when we normally talk, you say, hey, somebody wants you down here. Yeah. He was like, I want somebody, somebody somebody hold me too close somebody hurt me so it's basically telling me it's like a body like i want somebody to love me someone mm. to hold me someone to to sit in my chair somebody and i was like oh it made it more intense that way and i got it i was like because it felt weird in the beginning you know but once he gave me that i was like wow uh, i know it's really um it's amazing how his work has just influenced so many other people's work and their lives. And yeah. And I think you're right. I think there's going to be all kinds of tributes and oh. to him in the coming year forever, you know? Yeah. There, forever. Yeah. Yeah. And there should be. So Norm, you're such a good guy and you're such a, <laughs> no, you're, and you're such a kind person. Um, you know, when we've hung out together, you're always like the ultimate gentleman. And you're always, the other thing I noticed, you're always so kind to all of your fans. I mean, people stop you everywhere. I mean, we've gone out and it's just like, you know, you are so generous with your time to all of your fans and um, especially when they approach you in public. And you've also lent your talents to so many important causes over the years. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered, like, what's your philosophy about your your giving? How do you decide which causes that are important to you and the ones that you want to support and how to support them? I try to do it. Well, thank, and thank you for that compliment. It, it is, uh, it's important for me to like, because if it wasn't for people who like me, I wouldn't be here. So thank, you know, I try to, you know, be as gracious and kind as I can when I see people in the streets. But um well, wait, I just want to say one thing, though. It's not disingenuous at all. I mean, you are just a really good guy. So you do it from a very authentic place. And I think that's why people love you. Oh, thanks. That's very kind. Um, well, I, the causes I try to do um, and, and try to support, I do a little bit of research on them to see what they're doing for others. And if it matches up to what I feel uh, is right, then I will definitely give as much time as I possibly can, you know, especially when someone has asked me to, you know, participate in some way singing or, or coming and being at an event or giving, even giving money for, uh, and I love getting my hand, like I, uh, that term, getting your hands dirty, uh, because 
it makes you feel better. You know, if you go into the trenches and sometimes just giving money is fine. That's great. And it's wonderful. And we need that. But when you actually get to touch someone who is, is receiving whatever that charity is, it, it makes it that much more special and it just, it fills your heart. So um, I do as much research as I can. I mean, Broadway cares, obviously we know what they do. Actors fund, we know what they do. Um, but you know, I, I don't give, I don't tell a lot about other things that I give to because it's, uh, you know, I don't want it to be, that's, you know, for me to be a promotional thing, but I give every month to a lot of different organizations. And again, I would like to be a little bit more involved in some of them. Like be on the board or like actually be on the ground, like it was be on the ground, you know, like maybe being able to go to whatever country that is that I give to, or, uh, or instead of just donating money to a certain uh, place where they feed people, go and actually feed people and talk to people and see what they need, you know, not only uh, from a dietary standpoint, but a spiritual, emotional standpoint, and see if I can help in that way. It's funny you say that. There's an organization that I used to um, be very involved with called Midnight Run uh, for the Homeless. Hmm. Have you heard of it? No. Um, uh -uh. And I don't know exactly what's going on with it right now, but... Um, it's called Midnight Run, and it was a, an organization of the homeless, by the homeless, for the homeless. And this is sort of before um, before there was a lot of social media and a lot of cell phones and texting. But th what they would do is the, the homeless people themselves organized it, and they would say um, to meet on a certain corner um, or in a certain park at midnight. It was always on a Saturday night at midnight. And so mm -hmm. we would go, a group of us, and we would put together a bunch of food and, and bring it to them and some supplies. And it was very informal, but the biggest thing that they wanted was that we would break bread with them. So they didn't oh. want us just to drop off the food. They wanted us to sit with them and eat and talk because what they really needed was the socialization and just talking to people. So right. I started doing it with my daughter, Anna, who I think you've met. And um, mm -hmm. it was amazing. And she, we became you know, friends with these people. But there was one time where we were in Madison Square Park and I was you know, in a like black jacket. It was cold. It was winter. I remember that. And we were sitting eating, you know, we prepared food and we brought it and we were sitting and eating with these, these, you know, unhoused, you know, residents, um, mm -hmm. our neighbors or whatever. And, um, this woman came walking by clearly, you know, she had means and she walked over to me and handed me a $20 bill. And she said, here, honey, use this to buy something for yourself. She thought that I was homeless and it was so, it was so impactful. Like it was it was crazy, but yeah, I think that idea of being on the ground or being involved directly is really meaningful. Um, yeah. and I've tried to do that when we're in LA or New York, but in LA we make lunches on Sundays and we drop them off, mm -hmm. you know, down in, at the, at shelters and actually give them directly to the people in the Venice beach, um, that, that are unhoused. And it's, you know, it's, it really means a lot to be able to do it directly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, nowadays, because it's overwhelming now, because there are a lot more people who are unfortunately have lost their way and, and it's not their fault because of, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, because of financial situations that have happened in their lives. And it's just, it's been, it's been, you know, it's been kind of interesting and very challenging, but, you know, hopefully we can get through this. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to causes though, I, you know, obviously the Broadway causes and, and, you know, Broadway cares and the actors fund, as you said, um, will most people come and approach you and say, Hey, come to our gala or will you perform at our gala? Mm -hmm. Um, is that sort of, you know, is that the, the biggest ask and request of you? 
Right, right. Yeah. In fact, I just did something recently for Broadway Cares. We just did the tree lighting in uh, Bryant Park. And uh, that was part of the sponsorship was uh, uh, the Broadway Cares uh, situation. And so I represented them in that regard. Really nice. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Um, the other thing that has been going on um, and really in the spotlight is... Obviously, social justice, you know, equity for artists of color, diversity and inclusion. Um, these are really big, important topics. And and many of the guests that have been on this podcast, we've talked a lot about this area and the efforts that are going on and the organizations that have um, been highlighted in the last, you know, two years. And I just wondered, you know, how are you supporting these efforts and what's your what's your opinion? Well, listen, there's, like you said, there are different factions out there that are, are doing that. And, you know, Broadway uh, Advocacy Group has been out for a while, I think, since Trayvon Martin uh, uh, in that situation. So uh, for a few years now. And uh, also the Broadway Theater Coalition uh, has, has uh, is doing their part in, in, in helping with the diversity and equity. And uh, last year, uh, it's been a year and so many months now that, uh, LaChance and Audra got together and after the George Floyd situation happened, they just kind of had to have a talk with each other. And then they called a lot of our friends together to get on a zoom. And from that talk, we knew that there were going to be people who felt a little bit more compelled to express themselves in a way and say, this is not right. This is not right. And how it was going to relate to the theater, the theatrical industry. So uh, we, as what we call ourselves, the OGs, you know, the old, the older crowd uh, uh, of of the theater community, decided to get together and, and put a, a united front. Uh, and we called ourselves Black Theater, or we are calling ourselves Black Theater United. And so we are fighting for the same causes that a lot of these other organizations are doing, saying it within one voice, trying to be united with everyone and, you know, probably coming at it from different factions and different ways. Um, but uh, using our influence in whatever way we can to have conversations. And we have, we had a big summit uh, this last year for about six months where there, there were different committees and we talked about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion in not only on stage but off stage and it included theater owners uh producers uh, creatives all walks of life unions and we had open and honest discussions about what needs to be done and within this new deal 
it is something that not everyone signed. You know, there were different parts of it that people didn't agree with, but they agree with it for the most part. And it's a beginning. It's not a race. It's a marathon. So the conversation is being started. The conversation is being had and the, con the conversation will continue. And, uh, you know, it's not set in stone, but at least let's have accountability for what we are doing right now. Yeah, that idea, I'm just thinking in my head, accountability. So how do you, do you have like benchmarks that have to be met or how do you like regroup every so often to sort of check in? Well, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is the new conversation. Mm -hmm. Like we, we probably will, because there might be things like there's things that I have never experienced that some other people have experienced. And for me to even understand it and see it and hear about it, I go, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. It's never happened to me, but I wanna be that advocate that will help process this and move it forward. Uh, I, I uh, you know, me, Norm, I'm not someone that's always in your face or is, uh, will, will avoid going that far, but I wanna be firm with kindness and understanding and respect. But we also sometimes have to say, this is how it is. You need to understand this. And, you know, it's just like with any other, um, uh, I guess, disenfranchised group. Uh, sometimes you have to put, either put your foot down or make a loud noise. You know, like with women in this industry, sometimes you, you know, we as men need to understand where you're coming from and just shut up. <laughs> And just say, okay, we'll listen, you know. So that's that's kind of what we uh, are, are doing with the with this this whole uh, ordeal. I've had a few other guests. Britton Smith was on um, this podcast, and Stokes, and mm -hmm. um, and Michael McElroy, and it was really interesting to talk to them. And you know, this idea also of this allyship, like what what can we do? You said, you know, just listen, shut up, and listen. And I think that's been really important. I've really tried to listen. And when uh, Britton Smith was on, he talked about how as a, a black performer, when he would go into an audition, how it was so different for him as opposed to like a white performer. And I didn't understand it at first. And then as he's explaining it, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I never thought of it that way. And how he has to change himself, you know, to accommodate the, you know, the casting folks and the producer and director who, you know, may not interpret his, you know, his blackness in the same way. Right. So right, right. I, I, it's just, it's a huge learning curve too for everybody. But um, I do think this idea of, of at least having the dialogue is so important and, and the empathy for people who are, who want to be allies, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because obviously there's certain, a lot of things people just don't understand. It was like, Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. And, and in fact, it was, it was one of those things where when you saw the different murders, I'm going to go back to that when, you know, Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, and then finally George Floyd, it was happening one right after the other, right after the other, but it's been happening for many, many years. And people have been saying it for many, many years, but we as the world had shut down and we're in a pandemic state and we're on our televisions or computers all day. And so you couldn't help but see it. And then people were like, oh my God, oh my God, that's what's happening. And what got me was uh, the, I think the mothers, I think it, uh, George Floyd calling out for his mom really hit home to a lot of people 
uh, no matter what color they were, but a lot of, especially a lot of white women, that's what I would hear. He said, he called for his mother. And that was, you know, that was, that was a turning point. So I think the conversation, you know, I hope the window doesn't close. I hope the door doesn't close to this opportunity. But at that moment, you know, you had people around the world, Japan, who was a very, not, I won't say they're racist, but they're very uh, proud of their purity in their race. And they were on their knees saying Black Lives Matter in Japan, in Tokyo. So it was a moment that I think will go down in history, obviously, but I think that it still needs to continue and people still need to understand. Yeah, I don't even want to look at it as a moment. I think I think you're right what you said. And Stokes said something similar about how we were all in that moment of George Floyd's murder together. And it was mm-hmm. there was no we couldn't be distracted by anything else because we were all locked in it together and it was we weren't working, we weren't doing other things. So right. I think that was the moment that sort of opened everything up. But I feel like this is a movement, not a moment, you know, yeah. right? And hopefully yeah. it 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 and it is continuing. And I just feel I just hope that these benchmarks and this accountability continue to be um, measured and worked toward. Well, so it's, it, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I just feel like that part's important because a lot of times people, once they get distracted and back to their real lives, you know, yeah. and now as the world is sort of opening up again, I don't know what's happening, but you know, I don't want, I don't, I hope that distraction doesn't, you know, derail sort of the progress that's been made or the, Absolutely. the future for that. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say that Stokes, I love that guy. He's like a brother to me and he's been a mentor and and everything, but he said something uh, in one of our meetings that is just so just, uh, I don't know where he got it, but I'm just going to give him the the credit for it, but it's moving. Like right now we need to move at the speed of wisdom. And I Mm. think that that's just so poignant and, and it it makes so much sense. So. Wow. That's a good one. He did not say that to us here, but that's, I love that. (laughs) It's really good. Um, you know, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast love the guests that are on Mm -hmm. here and they're fans, but I also think that they love the guests because they're also philanthropists and they're social activists. Mm -hmm. And, um, with that said, I wondered if you had any words of wisdom that you would share with our guests, our listeners about this idea, this notion of being of service, of giving, of activism and how people can get involved? Like, what should people do? Like, not everybody has your voice, Norm. So what can people do? (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I I did uh, something yesterday about anti-Semitism for the Anti-Defamation League. And there were some words in there that really made a lot of sense. It's like, you don't really need a microphone to have a voice. And uh, but you, you can stand on your own merit. And there's a lot of things you can do. You can go to, I'll just promote our, our, uh, our organization, blacktheaterunited.com, and sign up and just say that you are an ally. You can donate money in order to help our cause. There's other organizations, uh, blacktheatercoalition.org, and I think broadwayadvocacygroup.org. I think that that's their, uh, their website. You know, and, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be our organizations. There are other, uh, people that you can go and, and, and look into, whether it be for this sort of cause or whether it be hunger or whether it be, you know, for political rights or LGBTQ right, you know, all kinds of things, whatever touches your heart. And uh, it, it just feels so good to give. And 
you know, I can't give like sometimes I'm walking down the street, my heart hurts when someone is asking for money or asking to be fed and I can't help them at that time because I don't have like cash on me. But I will offer sometimes to, uh, you know, go get them something to eat or I might not have time to do it, but it just, you know, it aches. But when you are able to do something, your heart feels so much better. And I just encourage you to make your heart feel better. Just do it for that reason. And also, I believe in karma. I believe in uh, vibrations and the universe coming back to you. And if you give, because it's not yours anyway, you know, not, not to get all religious and woo woo, but whatever we have is not ours anyway. So whatever you can give will definitely come back to you three times more. So you have some events coming up that I wanted to whisper to everybody. Um, yeah. So you've got your um, holiday show. Um, Norm Lewis, there's no place like home for the holidays. Um, December 16th through the 24th. Um, how do people, mm -hmm. how do people get to that? You go to uh, 54below.com. It's fine size 54 below, right below uh, the uh, Studio 54 on 54th Street, obviously. <laughs> That's a lot of 54s. Um, but uh, yeah, this is our seventh year of doing a holiday show. Uh, uh, we did it. Even last year we did one, uh, but it was streamed. So we went to the venue and actually recorded it, and we streamed it for a while and let people enjoy it. And we got nominated. I'm, gonna, I'm very proud of this. We got nominated for New York Emmy. Uh, we didn't win. We didn't win, but we got nominated. Hey, it's so an, it's an honor to that. be nominated. And I watched it. it I is. watched the one last year. It was great. It was so great. It was so much fun. It was so much fun to do and to put together. So yeah, thank you for that. That's really sweet. But uh, yeah, we're uh, back in the uh, in the trenches and uh, people are allowed to come back in following the protocols and everything. And we're going to have a good time. So it's the 16th. And then I skip a couple of days because I have concerts somewhere else. And then I come back uh, and I go from the 19th through the 24th. Very cool. And then you've got something yeah. in March too, right? Like a one night only? Yeah, there's a, a big deal that's happening in March. March 4th. Uh, God, thank you for allowing me to like just plug everything that I do. Uh, but March 4th, I am uh, doing my debut uh, solo concert at Carnegie Hall. Oh my God, that's so amazing. Yeah. So I'm so excited. Yeah. With the New York Pops, I'm going to be with Stephen Reinecke at the New York Pops and it's just going to be fun. And I'm, I'm so excited. So cool. Oh God. I just remembered. Remember you took me as your date to see Audra at Carnegie Hall. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was so yeah. incredible. All right. Maybe I'll bring Audra as my date to see you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm putting March 4th on my calendar. I'm very excited. Um, so final thoughts. I mean, the holidays are upon us here and um, they're definitely a time for celebration but and a time for giving, but it's also a time for reflection. And I just wondered mm -hmm. if you had any sort of parting words during this holiday season. Well, I would just say enjoy this time because last year we were very limited in what we could do. And I know a lot of people couldn't make it home. Uh, and that's one reason why I'm calling the show Home for the Holidays because I'm able to at least... Uh, be back home in studio 54. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, it, it's a, uh, just be really, really careful. Um, take time to make sure that you're healthy, wealthy and wise and follow the protocols and wear your mask, wash your hands, all that good stuff. But uh, go and touch someone, go and love someone uh, because we've been apart for so long. And if you can afford it and uh, get on a plane, be safe and go see family and, and just, you know, because that's so important to to have that sort of connection. 
Thank you so much. I haven't seen you in person since the pandemic. Um, yeah. So I, next time I'm in New York, I'm going to come hug you. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Please. Safe, a safe hug. You know, I'll test. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for being part of this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I can't, I'm, I'm so honored by this. So it, it's been fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit vpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.